This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are at the very end. We're at the very end of the book of Psalms. The last song is going on. It is, it is exciting. It is, it's been a, it's been a neat journey. I would say it's been a really neat journey. Here we are. We're at Psalm 150, the last Psalm. And, and I'm excited to do it. It's a great Psalm. It's Psalm. It's a short one. It's not one of the longest ones in scripture. It is the culmination of the book. It is, it is a, a Psalm of praise. And I guess that would be rightfully so for sure. And it is a, a psalm that speaks of the greatness and the glory of God. And so, <clears throat> well, are you ready to go? Psalm 150, the last psalm of the year. For those of you wondering, we are going to do three one-chapter books in the Bible. There's actually four one-chapter books, but Obadiah is one of those. Obadiah is one of those books that uh, that I probably, even though it's one chapter, I probably would take two or three, maybe in four days on. I, we're going to not do Obadiah until later, until I have a whole week that I can throw that in there. Let's go to Psalm 150. He says, praise the Lord, or hallelujah, starts it out. That's a great way to do it. Great song we sang yesterday, raise a hallelujah. That's, 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 that's what we need to be doing. And when we do that, when we do that in its fullness, when we do that in its full power, God moves. And, and he did yesterday. It was a great Sunday morning for us yesterday. And we raise a hallelujah. He says, praise the Lord. And notice the psalmist always starts in one place and ends in another when he's doing a praise. I don't know if y'all noticed that or not, but the psalmist always starts in one place and ends in another. And where he always starts is, is in heaven. <clears throat> now that's intentional. It's very important. Why? Because starting in heaven gets us to the right place here on earth. Oftentimes we want to start with God on earth. Am I right? We want to start where the problem is and try to move to heaven to get an answer. The truth is we're out of line when we do that. When you have an issue, you need to start with heaven and allow heaven to move down into your situation and be the answer. See, the answer is not found here. The answer is found up there. And when we start here, and moved up there, what we're saying is the most important thing is not the first thing, it's the last thing. That's not true. The most important thing is where all things began. It's where all things have their origin and have their purpose and meaning. And so we start in heaven and we work our way down to earth. We start way up here and then we allow the glory of God, the purpose of God, his character and who he is to be the to ooze, to slowly permeate all that we are, and then it takes over, and it it provides the direction or the answer or the purpose of the situation we're in. And if we don't, if we don't, if we don't do, if we don't do that, if we don't start with the heavens, 
If we don't start where God begins, we start in the wrong place. So he says, first of all, we need to praise God in the heavens. We need to praise him in his sanctuary. We need to praise him where he dwells. And the only way to praise him where he dwells is to meet where he dwells. We talked about this just very short yesterday. If we don't, if we don't go into his presence, if we don't enter into his sanctuary, if we don't walk with him in purpose, if we don't do that, then then how exactly are we going to apply who he is to the to to the situations we face here on earth? How are we going to apply who he is to the life we're living now? We're not. So we got to be together. And you have to come together. The place of worship is a unique place. And you're gonna you're gonna over time come to realize that if you haven't realized that the gathering together of God's people, there's power in that because God dwells in the middle of that. He dwells in the sanctuary of that. Now the things have to be done right. They have to be they have to be things done the way God wants them done, the way He asked them to be done. You can't you, if you come together for Bible study, that's fine. But we're talking about that powerful time once a year where God's people come to worship Him and seek Him out. And so there has to be singing. There has to be prayer. The focal point of the whole thing has to be Jesus. And uh, the way we make sure he's the focal point is that we go to Scripture and we spend time in Scripture and we exegete Scripture. We go through Scripture and go through verse by verse and deal with what he has to say. Oftentimes, a worship service will start with us and what our problem is and then try to find an answer with God. The best way to do that is to go to God and uh, find out what he's got to say and allow him to speak to the issues of life because his word is, and I said this yesterday, relevant. It is relevant. He says here, praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty firmament or <clears throat> what that that phrase, that phraseology in the Hebrew means, in the heavens beyond the earth. It means all the greater universe, really. It's about not just the, it's not speaking of the firmament that's in Genesis, the the water shield the Bible speaks of in, in, in the first few chapters of Genesis. It's talking about the greater firmament or the above the atmosphere, above what they would have been able to understand as being the clouds, beyond the clouds, beyond Everything beyond that, we need to praise him. Why? Because that praises the enormity of who he is. That when we praise him in the heavens, that speaks to our relationship with him. When we praise him in the greater firmament, that speaks to his enormity and his power and how much more that he is than we could ever imagine. And so we recognize that he is greater than anything we could ever imagine. So his answers and what he does is greater than anything we could ever imagine. It orients your mind properly so that God can take his rightful position in your heart and in your mind, in your intellect and in your passions. He says, so we're going to praise him in the mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Now, this is really important. I can't, I, I, there's no way for me to get around this. If you don't know the mighty works of God throughout scripture, it's hard to recognize how your situations of life, how the things that you're facing in life have relevance compared to what he's doing. When we talk about the mighty works of God in the Old Testament, we're talking about creation. We're talking about the flood. 
We're talking about we're talking about his sustaining power, and we're talking about him calling Abraham out and making a great nation of him. And we're talking about the deliverance from Egypt, and we're talking about the Red Sea, and we're talking about the manna falling from heaven, and we're talking about the walls of Jericho coming down, and we're talking about David slaying Goliath, and we're talking about Daniel in the lion's den, and we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and we're and you just keep on going. We're talking about Elijah and the sheep. Bear and Elijah facing the prophets of Baal. And I just keep on going through and you just keep on through scripture, the mighty works of God. See, as you read those stories and you allow God to show you what he's doing, what he's been doing in the past, you begin to take confidence in his mighty power and his mighty power at work in the lives of human beings. And then you allow yourself to begin to see that possibility for you. See, all of a sudden, a possibility that God might actually do mighty things in my life, do unimaginable things before for me in my life. And then when you begin to see that going on in Scripture, notice those big standing stones. They're memory blocks for us. They're memory cards in our brain that say, Remember when God did this. Remember when God did that. Remember when Jesus did this, walking on the water, raising Lazarus from the dead. My favorite, blind Bartimaeus, giving him sight. You just keep on feeding the 5,000, feeding the 7,000, walking out of the empty tomb, walking out of the tomb, uh, raising himself from the dead, making the 10, 10 lepers clean. You just keep going through those over and over and over and over again. And in your mind, you begin to see that God has been actively at work in his creation since the very beginning and that he is actively at work in your life since the very beginning. Since the very beginning, what I mean, since you were conceived in your mother's womb, he's been actively at work in your life since that time. And so you can trust him to already have the solution to the problem, already have answers to the situation, already have direction for your life. You can see that he's got those things. He's got them. And he is actively at work doing those things. But until you get to the place where those mighty works, till you can praise him for his mighty works in those places, you, you struggle bridging the gap. He's in heaven. He's above the heavens. He's above all the universe. And then we move down and he's at work in the world. If you don't, if you don't have that bridge to the reality of life that we're in, you don't have that bridge to the reality of life that we're in, you struggle to then make the next step and bring it down to a personal level and allow God to be God of the situation you're facing in your life today. It's, it becomes very difficult to do that. And especially when you start with me, if I start with me and try to get to him, I'll, I won't ever get off the ground. I won't ever get to the heavens because the pain of the situation, the fear of the situation, the anxiety of the situation, the, the torturous feeling of worthlessness and not being able to do anything keeps you down. But when I start with the heavens, and then I realize that God's at work in the world and been at work at the world. Then all of a sudden reality sets in for me and I can begin to say, God's at work. At, God can be at work in my life too. And then you begin to look around those things. He says, praise him for his mighty works. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. And so we praise him for his mighty works and we praise him because he does it perfectly. His excellent greatness. He does it exactly. And, you know, that we're building faith here, by the way. You're exercising that faith. God is the God of heaven. God is the God of the universe. God is the God of the personal world I live in. God is the God of uh, all these great and mighty things. 
He's the God of all those things going on in my life and going on in the world around me. And see, I'm building that faith, beginning to exercise that faith in my mind, in my intellect, and in my emotion, my heart. I'm beginning to focus myself on those things. He says, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Uh-oh, we're going to get into instruments. I like that. And that gets us, that, that brings us right down into our own worship service. He says, praise him with the sound of trumpets. I remember I went to a, a pastor's conference one down, one time down in Florida, huge pastor, huge pastor's conference, thousands of pastors down there. And they had a worship service. And in the middle of the worship service, he had the trumpet call going on. Uh, and there were like 10 trumpets up in the balcony that all of a sudden stood up and started playing. I'm just, I ain't gonna lie to you, is it? So I forget if, uh, good old country boy from Alabama. That was, that was real. Excited. But it was it was it's powerful. The trumpet sound is is the historic that and the shofar is the historic sound of the movement of God. And so when the trumpet sounds, we notice that he starts with the trumpets. Why? Because who must move first in order for us to have God's plan in our life? Not us, God. See, that's the cool thing. You think you got to move first. You think I got to get things right. I, I talked to somebody yesterday, right after church. It was sitting down the road a little bit. I just got the distinct feeling that he felt like he could. He got to get his life right before before he could go and spend time with God. That's not the case. God's already provided the way for you to get things right. He's got to move first before you do. And if you sense him moving, you need to get to going. Why? Because God's moving. And if God's moving, that means he's moving on my behalf because he loves me. And if you know that, if you know that, you should not hide from it. You should not hide from it. You should run toward it. You should chase after it with your whole heart. And so he says, praise him with the trumpets. Why? Because the victory is already, God doesn't end with the victory. He starts with the victory. God doesn't end with all things working out. He starts knowing all things are going to work out, and he is at work making them happen. He starts victorious. He doesn't end victorious. He starts victorious, and then that victory permeates everything that goes on afterwards. And so the victory is not, not, is not going to be ours. The victory already is ours, and the victory was ours before. And so he says, he says, praise him with the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Say guitars are in there. I know that I know they're country guitars, okay? And if you got a real country guitar, they call that a banjo. Okay. I'm just letting y'all know. And we don't have violins, we got fiddles. Okay. And I've tried to figure out what the difference between those two things are, and I'm sure there is. And somebody with a musical background will chastise me about what I'm saying, but I'm telling you. They look exactly the same. Now, they don't sound the same when we play them because I've seen some of the violinists play some of those concertos and some of those long, and they sound wonderful. They sound wonderful. And then I've seen some country folks. If you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. That's what the song says anyway. And so, and I've seen them play that fiddle and they don't sound anything alike, but I'm telling you, they look exactly alike. They they look ex exactly alike. Anyway, the lute and the harp, that's the that's a small wind instrument and a and not the big giant harp and a small stringed instruments have got to be guitars because we're in Alabama. So we're just gonna we're just gonna and I don't even know what we call one of these wind instruments, but he says pray the play it with the lute and the harp. And that's another reason we gotta have more band members. We gotta have more people in the band. Why? Because more people leading worship more excitement there is and the more power there is. 
and we we just got to have it. And and I'm praying, and I hope you're praying that we'll have more and more people to back up. Matt and Malia, Malia was on fire yesterday leading some worship and uh, letting the Holy Spirit lead her too. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. And anyway, what I'm ground that I have no knowledge of, just letting y'all know, okay, we're in a song that I like a lot and we're treading ground that I'm not, you pastor, just not knowledgeable in this area. He says, praise him with a timbrel and the dance and dance. Now, this is the verse for me. Okay. Because I know that Matt has said, that there's only a couple of instruments that I could play. And one of them he's really stretching with, that would be the tambourine or the timbrel, okay? One of those things you beat and it makes sounds. I can stay on beat a lot, but I'm not sure about the cowbell. The problem with the cowbell is it's loud and you've got to stay on beat. And of course the triangle where you hold it up and play the triangle. I probably could do that and not really distract at all. But <clears throat> dance, now, I'm not good at it. I told you this whole chapter, I'm not good at it, okay? Not good at any of this stuff right here, but I like it to see that dance, and I like to see chasing after God with your whole heart and excitement, a little bit of moving, you know what I'm talking about? A little bit of getting fired up about it, excitement about it, excitement about it. We need to have that. We need to have that little, he says, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Play, play, praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. We're back to those stringed instruments and flutes. And I'm sure there's all kinds of stringed instruments and flutes out there that we could be playing. I, like I said, don't know, but there's power in it now. I'm telling you, there is power in it. And God does not, God does not tell us these things without purpose and meaning. He's telling us how to do it. He's telling us what he wants from us. This is the last song of the songs in the Bible that are given to us. This is the last one in the book. Now, there are there songs in the Bible. Yeah, Elizabeth sings a song. Mary sings a song in the New Testament. There are songs in the Bible. And if you'll notice, Mary is a picture of the church, and Elizabeth's a picture of the church, and their maidens, the young maidens of child-rearing age that are godly and holy. That's a picture of the church. And what do they do in the Bible, in the New Testament? They sing a song. They sing a song, and you, you see Moses singing a song, and you say, it's constant, it's regular. Singing a song to God is important, and he, he says, praise him with the loud symbols. That's not for me. I'm out on that. I will, I'll ruin it. Matt, do not pick me for that. On the fantasy list of people out there that you pick when you put out your lineup, you know what I'm talking about, for who can be the backup to who for what on your team? Do not, the loud symbols, that would be terrible, Matt. No, wave me off, Matt, wave me off. But I want to hear, there's nothing wrong with the loud symbols, is there? No, there's not, nothing. Boom, boom, boom. You, I love it when the band's doing that. I like the dude that does that. And we went to a Christmas service in Montgomery earlier this year, and they had a dude, that's all he did. He had like multiple kinds of symbols back there. And he just, some of them he'd walk together, boom, boom. Some of them he'd beat on with sticks. Sometimes he'd hit with other stuff like brushes and things like that and rub it and all kinds of stuff like that. And I was mesmerized because he's right there in front of me and I was watching him do all that. And I thought, man, that is some fine instrument playing, symbol playing. You figured out all kinds of ways to use that thing. And see, it's unique. Worship is very unique and it's powerful and it's unique to people and it's unique to places. And I can't wait to get to heaven and see all the culturally unique ways 
God's people worship all over the world. We're going to be singing all kinds of stuff. We're going to know each other's languages and all that because you're going to know even as you're fully known, meaning you're going to have full knowledge. And so we're going to be able to sing in Korean and Chinese, and we're going to be able to sing in, in all the African languages and the European languages and the Asian languages. And we're going to be able to sing songs like they sing. Man, worship is just going to be unbelievable because they're going to have all kinds of new instruments because you people come up with all kinds of ways to have instruments. And boy, it's just going to be powerful and great and mighty. I don't know. I'm ready to go now. All right. He says, praise him with clashing cymbals. Notice, he's just big at building into crescendo. Why? Because when God shows up, we started with him way up here. Now he's all the way down here. And when he shows up, there's just praise and worship and power and might, excitement. And yeah, I love that stuff. I just love it. I love it when I can remember the first time I really got my mind wrapped around worship. I was standing up there in that balcony at, at the Georgia Dome at Promise Keepers. And I was just sitting there and I think it's Keith Green or somebody like that. That's got to be his name. He was singing How Great Thou Art and the thunder and the lightning. It was a huge thunderstorm going on outside. And you could see the lightning flash up above the Georgia Dome and you could hear the rumble peeling. And he was singing How Great Thou Art. And all the men were, it was like, that's when I realized there's power in this thing. There's, there's, there, there is something amazing that goes on in this thing that's going on in our lives and going on around us. And we shouldn't miss out on it. We shouldn't miss out on it. And then he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.